All right, everybody. Welcome to Yeah, But Still. Um, I, Brandon, I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about this episode. Uh, ooh, ooh, wee. How you feeling? <laughs> <This> <laughs> we, yeah, this is a this is a big one. This is a this is long overdue. Long overdue uh, and uh, a long time coming, I'd say. I had to double check, but I will. I'll introduce our guest very soon. But in the younger days of the podcast, we've talked about this man speculated on what his life might be like and we even listened to one of his hit songs just for pure pleasure on this podcast um and now here he is with us today ladies and gentlemen welcome to the podcast mark mcgrath of the band sugar ray hey what's up Jeff? how's it going i'm doing well how about you guys pretty good i'm I'm great you're overwhelmed with excitement i can i can Uh, see no we are though that's the thing Welcome. I can't believe uh, we have you here. Um, this is, uh, well, I mean, this came to be via Cameo. I had a weird COVID-19 style birthday, <laughs> a non-birthday, and you were the first person to wish me a happy birthday in the morning. You actually wished me a happy 40th birthday, which, by the way, for everybody listening, I am not 40. Uh, I'm not there yet. Quite 32? Quite I'm 32 30- now. We'll, okay. we'll go on record. But... That was I. I wake up way too early. I have like sleeping problems, so it was it was also like five a.m. and I checked my phone and I see a new message and it's like this video and I open it up. I'm like half asleep. Yeah, what is up, Jack Wagner? It is Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray. Yes, just found out you're turning forty. You wear a diaper and you peed and pooped in your diaper, and you need to change your diaper. <laughs> but I was like. <laughs> It was like sinking in, and I'm like, man, I gotta go back to bed. I, <laughs> am I dreaming? This is so strange. That's a COVID night. That's a COVID nightmare. Being woken up on your birthday at five in the morning and being wished a happy 40th birthday by the 90s bullseye of douchebaggery. Me, what? You know what I mean? that, Come that, on, that, this no, is, that uh... is that is that is a nightmare, dude, Jack. So that's when you do go back to sleep and go. I've got a good friend in Brandon. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty. Who did you get the year before? Like like Flavor Flavor or something? Who did you get? The it year was before? it was Chris Hansen the year prior. We're also <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who I. I think I I paid Chris Hansen to call Jack a, a pedophile. So <laughs> this is actually an upgrade. I think this is. Yeah. Well, I'm a little bit more expensive than he is. You know, I mean, I think he's on. I think he's sixty nine bucks. I don't have much of a life. You know, I've got kids. I'm fifty two. I play county fairs on the weekend. So yeah, I go through other people's cameos. You know, during my uh, my dad. Well, I mean, I was grateful to uh, to to get that one from you. I mean, it's funny. You said you'd called yourself the. What was it? The the bullseye of nineties douchebaggery? But I I don't think that at all. I've always been a Sugar A fan. And uh 
I'm not, I mean, we're we're pro Mark McGrath podcast. You're here. on a pro. Yeah, this is a good faith. This is, like, this is a good faith conversation. <laughs> I'm here to I'm I'm here to fucking put balls on a tee right I, now. <laughs> I have no interest in any sort of gotcha journalism. Um, you know, this is uh yeah, you're in a you're in a good safe spot. You're gonna I'm in, you're the in a safe place. I'm in the yeah, desert. absolutely. Now, you know, I've done a lot of stupid things, and I, I've kind of started. I, I started a narrative on myself and the band 35 years ago that kind of led to like what it kind of became. You know, we're easy to make fun of. We're like a safe place to make fun of. I make fun of us. You know, so it's like I, I kind of started the narrative. It's almost like a careful what you ask for thing. But at the end of the day, you guys, I'm very grateful for the songs we did right. Uh, and there's a reason why I still don't have to work, you know. Um, so I'll make fun of us all day, blah, blah, blah. There's plenty of stupid videos online where I act like a fucking moron or reacted, I should say. We can talk about that, too. But at the end of the day, I wrote some great songs that I'm very proud of that uh, that mean a lot to people. You know, I know it's kind of cheesy. Absolutely. Stuff. Well, I mean, it's good to be humble. I mean, you're definitely humble, maybe too humble, I'd say. I'm very self-aware, probably to a, a fault, uh, Jack, like you just uh, uh, mentioned. Um and I sometimes I don't think people realize that about me. You know, no one's laughing harder at me than me. And sometimes that disconnect gets lost. So oh I no, I. Yeah, I mean, I I like was watching your stern uh, last week, sort of prepping for this. And you're always, I mean, you're always very self-effacing in interviews. I was, I think too. I think you're too hard on yourself. Yeah. I think that's too much self-deprecation. Well, if you if you hadn't, you know, if you had access to my social media, you'd be, yeah, maybe you're not doing enough. But uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be on Howard Stern. He'd be so, dude, stop making fun. Stop, stop being so insecure. I mean, it would drive him crazy. But I'd be like, dude, I made a living as a singer and I can barely sing. I, I made a living as a host for a while. I can barely host anything. So it's not the irony isn't lost on me. I mean, I know how minimal talent I have, and there's been a lot of serendipitous luck involved in getting to where or wherever I am now, you know, which is a guy whose dreams come true. You know, I had a couple number one songs over for the stones. I still get to do music for a living, something I love to do, and I'm overpaid and underworked. So <laughs> I can only just kind of laugh at the situation I'm in. It's not just me. I'm not Noel Gallagher just clacking and you know, writing these classic songs. We had a little window of time where the radio spoke to us and then it went away. You know, so I'm still writing that nostalgia wave and I'll write it till I uh, play at Denny's and Barcel three nights a week and, and, <laughs> hey. and die in a grand slam and just be stoked. I mean, you know? those those songs, those songs hold up. Oh yeah, they do. They held up. To be completely honest, like I, I was uh at the right age, like where your your first albums were like my the first CDs I ever bought, and I realized that I mean obviously I knew all the hits, but then like I was re-listening to some of the albums today, and first of all they're like way more eclectic than I recall, but I was remembering yeah. all of the like like I would he I was hearing these like you know track ten and stuff, and I'm like oh, I've heard I've heard this song many times. I forgot how many times I've listened to these albums when they came out and i also forgot like for instance floored like uh that was your second full-length album right that's correct the songs in between like on either side of fly are so heavy you guys were really yeah. like i mean the one right before fly like the opening guitar riff sounds like it's gonna be a chromag song or something yeah that's the biggest compliment you give somebody well, god it was well in the 90s were weird too i was talking to brandon about it because there was so much genre mixing, it's a lot of a lot of genre bending. But yeah, you guys were like a, a heavier band. 
It's funny you say that because it was the Lollapalooza age. You know, the early 90s started off with like Perry Farrell uh, having bands like the Henry Rollins Band, playing with the Boredoms, then playing with uh, Pearl Jam. And then, uh, you know, I, 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 so many different, like Nitzer Ebb would be on there. So they were mixing all these bands and all these genres, and it led to the alternative wave that became the 90s. I mean, that was the biggest genre of music in the 90s. And thus, by osmosis, pop radio got affected. So you'd hear a DJ saying, Coming up, Mariah Carey, Blink-182, Sugar Ray, and Eminem. Yeah. You know, and that's all on one channel. So you're right. All the walls were kind of broken down, and it led to rap rock, this rock, the other rock, all the genres kind of melting. And then this big sort of blowback came, and the Strokes and Interpol said, fuck all that, we're bringing it back to lo-fi rock and roll again. So it's interesting that you say that because you're very spot on, and our band was kind of caught up in that wave as well. I mean, you got to understand, on our first album, we opened for, we were touring with like Korn, yeah. the Deftones, Monster Magnet, wow. the Sex Pistols. Those were the bands we were playing with. And Fly was the anomaly on our second record, Floored, because when we got signed to Atlantic Records, we, we had two original songs. We lied to them. We said, oh, we've got 50 and we've got a big following down in San Diego. This is when you could lie to labels. There was no <laughs> internet. There was yeah. no, there was, there was no websites. You could. It actually, was so much easier to lie. At oh that yeah, time. way easier to lie. Wow. I mean, you could hide your identity. You could. I mean, Vanilla Ice did a whole biography how he was a motocross champion and this, that, and the other. So, you know, you could really sort of uh, finesse your way uh, to a situation, and it was another careful what you asked for a situation because we made a video. My buddy McGee has been my best friend for years. He's kind of the fifth member of the band. Oh Ooh. my God, I'm. I'm I'm very this is a very pro McG household <laughs> by the way. I'm very I'm like a massive OC fan. Well, seasons 1 through 3. Seasons 1 through 3. Same. I would say 1 1 and 2. 4 it was a different show, but yeah. I digress. It, yeah, it got too many characters involved. And I even told them. And I'm pissed off because <laughs> you know, it was never called the OC before. I'm from Orange County. It was only called OC. So this asshole, yes. McGee, my friend, who's from Orange County, should have known better. And so uh, <laughs> he's not welcome back and do OC. Kind of a county and- trader. Banned from yeah, OC. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but oh, he, we made a video. And so and we, we finessed Atlantic Records and they gave us a two-album, million-dollar record deal. And we're like, oh, my God, now we got to make a record. And so, I mean, I love hip-hop. I love Slayer. I love the Beach Boys. I love it all. And so our first record, we just threw everything against the wall. We were rap rocking before rap rock was even a thing. I was singing in falsetto. Some of the stuff was hard. We had a DJ Lethal from House of Pain produce our first record because we loved Jump Around by House of Pain. We're like, that's the greatest song in the world. That was right. was happening when we got signed. Come to find out that DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill uh, produced Jump Around. Not Lethal, but <laughs> Lethal was a very talented producer in his own right. But he would just give us tracks. And I'm not a rapper. I mean, he just give us tracks. And then I'd start, we're going, what are we going to do with this? So we were like kids in a candy store on that first record. We got to tour the world. So we got better at playing our instruments and better as songwriters, which led to Fly on the second record floor. I mean, but still had like, all the fallout of the hard stuff, you know? Yeah. I, it does sound like you had to like kind of figure it out very publicly and like on a very high scale. That's a very high wire thing to pull off. Uh, it was a very uh, s- slippery slope and dangerous precipice to try to find your uh, your mojo, if you will. And in fact, Brandon, I mean, 
I we love the song "What I Got" by Sublime. Okay, this is going to lead the fly. I mean, it, it's now you look back at Sublime with rose tinted glasses, and Sublime is untouchable, and they're they're gods, right? But back in the nineties, I'm, I'm from Sublime. Southern California. Yeah. they might show they might show up to some gigs, they might not show up, they might play forty minute reggae dub, <laughs> and bump bump bump, and Bradley barely singing. So like, I'd be like. These guys, I don't understand it. Like some of the shows are great, and you could see Bradley was super talented, but they just be so yeah, I mean, fucked up. I, I, who's Rome? You Rome know? is uh, Rome is the you know he's the guy that's carrying the torch on for Sublime. You guy, have you seen uh, Rome live? Whenever I order Sublime, I'm always like, hey, hold the Rome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's funny. I'm not gonna go to Long Beach again, but that's fucking funny. Um, no, but you know, he, he he does a good job. I mean, I think if you're a fan of the band, you'd rather hear them live again and sort of fantasize what it's like. I think he does a serviceable job, and it's an unenviable position to be in. Let's be honest. Yeah, you know, oh, totally. Like I, I, I I don't know anything about Rome. I just wanted to make that joke. I know. I was about it's to say. I'm like, I'm like Brandon's walking into territory that's very unfamiliar <laughs> to him. What's he doing? <laughs> it's a great. It's a perfect joke. He's you know what? I, you know guy. what I was about to do, Jack. Yeah, he's the first guy to laugh. <laughs> um, but uh. So anyway, so anyway, just to make a long story even longer, because what I do, as you guys can see, <laughs> um, what, we heard what I got on the radio by Sublime. We're like, oh, my God, these guys have like a top 10 hit right now. How did this happen? Now, I know in retrospect, it seems like impossible. How did it not happen? Right. But then Sublime having a top 10 pop song was, was as likely as Sugar Ray having one, you know. Uh, and so when we heard uh, what, what they did with what I got, we heard from their producer, David Kahn that uh you know we we go we got to get that guy so i was in the studio with david Kahn about to record fly which was the anomaly on the record floor our only chance of success and i remember our producer david Kahn. he said hey mark i've got some good news and some bad news before you sing this song fly and being an irish insecure guy that i am i say so what's the bad news first bro he goes you can't sing (laughs) and he said that over the pa some of the Atlantic record guys were in the control room, the band's in there. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, well, just call me an idiot. But what could possibly be the good news right now, dude? He goes, if you listen to me, we've got this new thing called Pro Tools and you've got a tone that I can Frankenstein together and we can sell 2 million copies off this song alone. And I just got down on my knees and I said, take me away, dude, take me away. And that was me learning to find my voice, which led to every morning and someday. I mean, anything in entertainment, knowing what you can do is as important as knowing what you can't do. I'm really fascinated by Fly. And so many songs in the 90s are just kind of like this weird collection of genre loops, I guess. I listen back to them. I'm like, how did they write this? Like not, like songs that like it's not like somebody's picked up an acoustic guitar and wrote it. And Fly is kind of like that, where it's like there's so many different parts going on. There's like this like looping dub, like breakbeat drums thing. And it's like kind of reggae. It's like hard. You couldn't pick a genre for it, really. It's just like, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's like everything. And then Supercat is on it, which... Um, yep, Supercat. Supercat. The legend. I, I'm still kind of confused, like, how you guys got Supercat on there. What's the backstory? Well... I'm a huge dance hall reggae fan, always have been, you know, for years and years, even during like the first wave of Mad Cobra, Shabba Ranks, and of course, Supercat. Yeah. The early 90s, when the hip hop and uh, dance hall was kind of just starting to mix, these guys were getting into the charts. So major labels started signing him. And at the end of Fly, we were kind of there, but I didn't feel it was done. I felt it needed something else, like a dance hall artist 
doing some sort of patois runs through it, you know? And I went to our producer, David Kahn again, who'd also worked A&R at Columbia Records uh, at the time. And I go, dude, we need someone in here. We need like a dance hall artist. You're not gonna know this guy, but this is just an example. A guy like Supercat in here. And he goes, you say Supercat? I go, yeah. He goes, I signed Supercat to Columbia Records. You gotta understand, this guy was at the time 50 years old, glasses, yeah. like kind of a nerdy tech guy. The last guy you think be going to the Kingston, you know, tenements and signing Supercat. And he goes, hold on a second. So this was back in the day of rotary phones. Yeah. <laughs> and he called Supercat and he goes, hey, I've got the song for you. This band loves you, blah, blah, blah. Supercat goes, send it. And the rest is history. Well, it is all nice and decent. Slip of the crew. This is Mr. Cat and Sugar Ray riding through. He loved the song. He loved the vibe. And he came out and he did like two passes through from top to bottom. And David Kahn kind of Frankenstein his parts as well. And the, you know, the rest is history. They say it. Thank God he was on the video as well. Because we never got to perform the song live once with Supercat. Oh, man. You know, it, it started oh, taking man. off a little bit. And David Letterman calls, right? Letterman, late show. We're like, oh, my God. We're going to Letterman. We're so stoked. Call Supercat, lives in New York. This is going to be great, blah, blah, blah. And Supercat's like, nah, man, I'm cool. And we just went, <laughs> So he, we never even got a chance to perform a song live with him. Uh, he, he's just uh, he's a very eccentric artist. You know, he's a very artistically driven guy. And once he's on to something, he's already gone on to the next thing. So that's my biggest regret. I never got to perform Fly Live with Supercat. It's, it's funny having you on here because we've, like, definitely talked about you before. And mostly... <laughs> speculating i've i've said i've been on record saying that there is definitely a point in time where being you must have been like the ultimate situation a person could be in in the 90s like peak sugar ray i bet it was just insane well it's strange because i went from like sort of being like a cool guy considered cool to being like you know the worst guy to ever live in the 90s that that's an interesting kind of you know, trip to take and it's psychedelic and it's mind bending and you got to be made of pretty thick stuff, tough stuff, you know, because like what's weird about it is like, you know, there has been no bullseye to replace me. I'm kind of stuck in this time lapse of being that forever douche bullseye guy. I don't know. Which is, look, you talk like well that. You say thing. that. I don't. No one's coming to replace that. that. You know. And social media keeps it moving forever and ever. And because like certain videos, like the Sugar Gay video, that's out there forever. People think that happened last night. You know what I mean? It's so funny. It's okay, like, wait, let's talk about that. Five years ago. Let's actually talk about that first, I guess. Because first, yeah. like, I don't look. I I wouldn't be saying this if I didn't think that. But like, when I think of like '90s douchebag, like you don't come. You're not like the guy that comes. You're to lying. Mind. I'm not lying you're at lying. all. I'm the top three. No, I've not at all. Hard, man. I've worked hard for that that that, that acknowledgement. <laughs> I mean, Brandon. Like, I don't know. I'm. I don't. I don't think so. I. I mean, no. We literally like I. I wanted you on this this podcast as a as a fan. Yeah, I, I, I think mean, you're just like Jack, like straightforward. Jack was like for many years iconic, just like shirtless, bleached hair. I mean that set <laughs> that set a vibe like that was copied many many times. But um, I mean, we talked about it before the podcast, and I we we should talk about the the video because I saw you had your pin tweet is like about we, we need the real story video. of that. But what was yeah, yeah Brandon? Go ahead. Um, but. Me and Jack were talking about it right before the podcast, how a lot of times when something gets copied enough, the original gets the same amount of shit as like all of the copies. Poorly copied. Right? And if so, you get like, imitated enough poorly, yeah. you start to look like a bad copy of yourself, even if you started it. 
You know what I'm saying? Because like I like, feel like the, the Mark McGrath people that have like emulated that look. I think you know you got you got too much uh, you got too much shit. The Mark McGrath hair for, people still ha- do yeah. it. People are still doing. I got it still. Yeah, I still have it. Come I mean, on, but man. like, but you are Mark McGrath. I mean, but well, my the, hair, you don't have my the hair kind of anymore. became the hammer pants of the '90s. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, and, and you know, I copied it off Scott Weiland of all things. You know what I mean? Scott Weiland though did it a little cooler, a little more panache than I ever had. And I had my friend who was in beauty school at the time. Scott Weiland had this three pin, uh, three piece Seville Rose suit. He, they, there was a picture of him in Rolling Stone in Madison Square Garden, and he had just a little skunk highlight right here, right? And it was black hair, and he just looked like David Bowie. It was so esoteric and cool-looking, and I'm like, that's what I want my hair to look like. So I asked my my uh, friend who was in beauty school if he could do that. He goes, yeah, no problem. I should have been bummed out when I first walked in with a 12-pack, and like six of them were gone. you know. And so he started working on my hair, and this was the night before we are shooting Fly. And my, my, my hair was never spiky like that. It was kind of greased back, kind of Ethan Hawke reality bite style. That was my thing I was going for. Uh, and so they chopped it night before the video, and there was just these big, blonde, orange patches everywhere. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, you ruined my hair. So that hairdo, I was trying to make it. I was trying to copy Scott Weiland. It became a mistake, and then it became a hairdo people wanted. They oh, I want the Sugar Ray hairdo or something. So I mean, you're kind of right about that, though, because if you get known for something, whether you started it or not, you know, it doesn't age well a couple of years after you get out of that decade. It takes a while for the stink of the decade to wear off. And unfortunately, because like what I said about the 90s earlier, it never really ended. You know, so that it, I might be stuck in this purgatory of highlights and weirdness. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're all stuck in a purgatory right now. Yeah. We're all definitely <laughs> we're all in, in a purgatory, purgatory right, right now. now. <laughs> so, I think you're right, bro. So let's talk about the the sugar gay video because i i mean okay. originally i wasn't going to ask you about it because i feel like it just keeps going re-viral and it's like for the record neither of us wanted to talk about it yeah we almost that, didn't bring hey, it up I, but I, I feel like there's a backstory hear about it you know? yeah and i, I want to i always want to bring it up now because it's it's of course taken out of context of what it was you know um but i, I don't want to interrupt you go ahead no no you want to hear the story my life's an open book you know i want to hear the backstory I, what was the real situation of the sugar gay well, the thing I'll say about the video itself, I reacted, and I always say react. I didn't, I didn't start it. You know, I was just minding my own business. I reacted like a complete drunken moron at two three in the morning, and I, re- I regret the way I reacted. You know, I don't regret standing up for some of my gay friends that were sitting there and getting, you know, sugar gay was one of the least offensive things that was being thrown around by that group of people that night. And this was about almost twenty five years ago. Madonna was having a party. Uh, for some whatever the hell it was, uh, watch out for your name dropping on your feet there. Um, but you know, obviously a lot of her dancers there, and I've got some gay friends, and so it just kind of there was just people were getting intimidated and stuff. And I and I the one night I decided to play a fake tough guy is he goes, hey, sugar gay, you know, and you know that that got me involved, you know, because people were getting intimidated and going back inside the club, and this fourteen year old kid who yelled at me, who each year becomes younger, by the way. You know, who was in the club that night, he does the best fake ID in the world or, you know, he's 21. But somehow, because, you know, it's not an interesting click to say Mark McGrath yells at someone. You got to say 52 year old Mark McGrath yells at 13 year old boy last night. You know what I mean? So like it, it, the, the click made on that just keeps getting funnier and funnier. Wait, so how, so, when was this actually? What when did this take place? It was 96. I think. Yeah, it looks old. That was old. Because it gets oh, posted. It was on recent. VHS. It's on videotape. 
It's not yeah. even digital. There was no internet back then. So wait, so, so step by step, you're at Madonna's paparazzi. party. You're at Madonna's party. You go outside. And yeah. what's going so, on? So we're at Madonna's party and uh, wherever she goes, back then paparazzi went, certainly now too, but like, so paparazzi was kind of a new thing, certainly to me. You know, and the paparazzi that follows Madonna everywhere she went was a totally different thing. It was like, you know, the queen or something. So there was a mixture of paparazzi and people hanging out. It was about 2.30 in the morning. And uh, I was walking Madonna and some other people to her car. And it just, on the way out, it was kind of friendly. And on the way back, it just got vicious and, you know, sugar gay this and F, F word this, that, and the other. And like, dude, I, I'm just not down with the bullying. And I hate using the word. I've always, my, using the word gay, meaning less than, has always fucking drove me crazy. My whole life it has. I mean, have I used it with my friends? Of course I have. But using it like in a negative way or meaning less than in a derogatory fashion. So I just, I was just drunk enough and high enough that night to, to, to act like the stupid fucking, and I make a terrible tough guy, as you saw. Sugar gay. Who said sugar gay? I'm beating your fucking ass. Who said that? Did huh? you? No. I'll choke your fucking face. You say that? No, I didn't say anything. Did you want to be smart? Did I say anything? Did I say anything? Did you say something? No, I did not say anything. I'll choke your fucking head. <laughs> hey Mark, can I get your autograph? No, no. Oh man! No, you can't, you can't. All right, cool. You beat the fuck out of that guy right yeah. there. Which one? Tomorrow. The one that Mini Driver is gonna do. I'll choke your that. fucking face. You see that again? Did I say anything? Well, yes, you did. Hold on, he didn't finish his autograph. I'm just a bad tough guy. I couldn't even, you know, say anything. But and I'm signing autographs while I'm yelling at people. I'm mean, just stupid. So I reacted like a complete moron, and I regret the way I reacted, and I react a lot differently now. But I will always react against any sort of homophobia or less than any bullying, man. I'm just not, it just, it's always bothered me. And um, I mean, I, I know now not to respond in a physical manner, but it just always bothered me. And that's the nature of that context of that video. So make with it what you will, you know what I mean? Uh, make fun of me all day. Just be careful of the verbiage you use because that's what fucking pissed me off in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I never, I never judged, I never judged in the first place. Because I was definitely like, I mean, first of all, it was this was like more than twenty years ago, but also like I've been on coke. It yeah. just wasn't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's on, what, <laughs> like, I know. I was like, like I've, I saw that and I'm like, yep. You know, I've been there. I've been, I've been a little yipped up. And, I had a couple, uh, you know, a couple bumps in the bathroom. You, are you, are you, are you insinuating I was on the? Uh, I, I mean, never. I, no, I don't think. Uh, you know, there's no way anybody in Sugar Ray in the '90s was doing any drugs. Yeah, there's no I might way. Have had a bump or two. Might, <laughs> you can see the fire in my eyes, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with being, <laughs> being on cocaine. It's just <laughs> not. There's no viral video of it. And so I've always been like, yeah, I don't, I've been on cocaine. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. yeah, I reacted like a moron though. You know, I, it's not something I'm proud of. And it's like, obviously, uh, and it's, you know, one of those things back then you're like, Oh God, thank, thank God. That's night. That night's over. And, uh, thank God there won't be something called the internet and Twitter and, <laughs> and Instagram coming in 25. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, but hey, man, it happened. I, 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 I'm embarrassed by it. I wish it didn't happen. But again, like, you know, I reacted to something that I still fucking hate today. You yeah. know, the bullying and the, and using the word in less than. And I'm not altruistic. I've used the word before uh, amongst my friends and all that. But never, never to like insult someone or make it less than, you know. So yeah. that's just my side I mean, of the yeah, story. Also, 
Yeah, Twitter, Twitter, that's a reductive place. That's a that's you know, the the conversation gets flattened. Come on a podcast. There's room for nuance. There's room for explaining things. You know, this is a good faith conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and listen, and make it what you will. That's just my side of the story. You know what I mean? That's that's what happened in my version, coked out and drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that also back then. I'm joking, you guys. You guys are even smiling. Like, yeah, we know, dude. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, we. So that's the story yeah, of that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm joking. But that's why I kind of, you know, look, people like tweet me all the time and go, sugar gay. Like, I've never heard it before. You know what I mean? So I kind of get preempted and go sugar gay all day on my pin Twitter, which is how I feel anyway. That's that's why I kind of that's why we're you know that's why it became a thing you know. Uh, but no, I will never. I reacted like a moron. It's embarrassing, but there is a there was a chivalry in that insanity somehow, somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it was also you. You mentioned amongst that story, um, you know, this is pre-social media. And like, yeah, I'm sure back then too. Like, if somebody, if some random guy had a camera, it's the opposite now. If a camera pops out now, you're like, oh, this will be seen somewhere. But back then, it's just like, I mean, you probably like partying. It's just like, oh yeah, I mean, where is he going to put it? You're right. I mean, you know, today you're, you know, you see a, you just know not, you know. So I look really pink in this, don't I? I look so pink. <laughs> I, it's, the look, iPad. it's the iPad lighting. Yeah, it's the iPad. It's all a plastic surgery iPad too. You know. <laughs> Uh, that's a joke i have yeah i don't know i was like i have no clue yeah my favorite thing is and you guys don't know i'm joking right yet <laughs> that was the best like that's another thing on top i get a lot of shit for plastic surgery blah 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 i mean why my phone i laugh because like i'll i'll do something that gets a you know a little bit of a public exposure and they'll go, oh my god you're looking like carrot top oh my god you look like joan rivers i'm like well, what is going on I mean, I have never had plastic surgery. I, mean, I don't do both. I don't do fillers. And I'm just, I'm just saying, we kind of laugh because my wife's an esthetician. I, I don't understand. I don't, I put on 15, 20 pounds. It's like the highlight of my fame. Maybe that's it. But I just, it's very funny to me. When I posted that video of you wishing Jack a happy birthday, all the comments were like, oh, he looks like Ethan Hawke, which is. Oh, like, I mean, everybody great. says that's, you know? that goes back. I mean, twins. First reformed okay. fucking great okay. movie. He's still I, dude, at it. I, he still looks great. I've had the, some of the doctors you see on TV, the plastic surgery guys, break me down on their shows going, yeah, he got a thing here and a thing here. And it's just, I mean, look, I know it, it's such trivial bullshit. It's just what we're going through. It's just, you know, if you take a little dip into my life, you know, you're going to have to sort of uh, t- talk about these things. You guys are very kind and, 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 and got grace and class and eloquence not to like, bring these things up but I'm sure in the back of your mind so I will bring them up for you and tee you up you I know? can assure you that was not in the back of my mind honestly we had a plan a path that where we wanted to go <laughs> down for this all of these things you brought up have been a surprise I wanted to hear about Mark McGrath partying in the 90s that was like where I wanted to lead you to I wanted to hear some wild party boy stories I bet it was crazy party boy party, party boy, boy mark uh no it, you know it was fun look it, it was like we were kids in a candy store because yeah you know, I, I got in the band i got in the band for chicks and booze and cars like all those lame things you know which was so it was you know it, it was blasphemy to say in the 90s it was all about staring at your shoes and being angry you know we were like dude we want to rock you know we we're still listening to license to ill and you know and poison and those bands um so when you know you get a little bit of uh you know, success and you're in a bus and you're, you're, you're being driven around the country and you've got people taking care of you and, 
you know, you're on MTV and you start to get a little bit of dough. I mean, it was one fucking giant party. It was, you know, I mean, you know, you show up to your backstage, as you know, Brandon, you guys stand up. So you, you have a writer, there's booze, and we never wanted to be uh, disrespectful. So we wanted to make sure we, you know, imbibe and did all that. So, Absolutely. yeah, man, I mean, I, I fucking, you know, I was, I, I, I did too much of everything. And, you know, I'm glad to still be coming out the other end and still have all my body parts together but yeah and that was totally fun it was you know it was everything you say it is but i'm not gonna give you any stupid stories that make me look stupid or i mean i don't think it's stupid you can look on the internet for that i by the <laughs> way i've been backstage at brandon's stand-up comedy shows and i could assure you there's no way that it's any way similar to there is a well, we Sugar Ray. The on the road, there's like a decent rider on the road the sugar ray backstage there's no sugar ray rider i had a you got I was some hummus. a good time i had I had one bottle of peach Ciroc, some baby carrots, some almonds, <laughs> string cheese, Pellegrino. It was mostly it's mostly carb-free snacks. One bottle of peach Ciroc and some Pellegrino and and some Coke Zero. Who are you? Coke Zero. Yes, yes indeed. The, co the Coke yes. Zero. <laughs> Got that Coke like Zero. Coca sure. Like cocaine is zero. But you know, it's funny about the road and and, and Brandon. You know this, like. You know, when you get out there, you're like puppies at first. Like, give me it all. I want to give me everything. Yeah. Let me, and then you're like, wait, we got eight more weeks of this shit. I, just, <laughs> I have three hangovers I haven't felt yet. I'm four days into a tour that I'm, I mean, you, the road right. kind of teaches you how to do it. You don't do the road, you know? So unless, yeah. you know, there was a point where I was like, oh God, I don't want to completely blow this. I really am happy to be here. And I don't want to be the one that removes us off this mountain, though I tried very hard. So you kind of have to learn, uh, you know, as Vanilla Ice says, get in where you fit in. You know, you got you to gotta figure out what works for you out there on the road. Um, so that's yeah, a lesson absolutely. that you'll have. To, everybody has to learn it their own way, whether you can become completely sober or you learn how to do what you do on the road or whatever your program is, you're going to find it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who who'd you guys tour with? What were your big tours? We went on we went on tour once, uh, it, probably in nineteen ninety nine, the summer of ninety nine. We went out with the Goo Goo Dolls and Fastball. Oh, and Fastball! The, oh, wow! Big fan, fastball, by the way. Fan. Underrated, the, underrated. My very opinion. underrated. Very, very Beatles, very Elvis Costello-y type of band. Yeah. I mean, Tony, Tony, and uh, Miles. Those guys are such great songwriters. So underrated. Great record. But we went out. All the pain yeah, money can record. buy still holds up. Top to bottom. Exactly, and there's no there's no filler on their and their and their albums. They're just such great and such great guys. And we went out and so, so, uh, summer of '99 played every gigantic shed in the country, every amphitheater. Like we grew up in Orange County, so Irvine Meadows. It's not there anymore. But that was our amphitheater. And when you see our itinerary, and it's every major amphitheater, Jones Beach in New York, and you know the the Greek Theater. You're just like it, your dreams are coming true. And we had for a, for a while there during that summer of 99, we had the numbers one, two, and three songs in the country between Goo Goo Dolls, Sugar Ray, and uh, Fastball. Wow. We had Out of My Head was like number three. Uh, Every Morning is like number two. And Black Balloon was like number one or something like that. We were kind of trading positions and going on this gigantic tour. We had like a 30-person staff, caterers and bullshit. You know, everything you just don't need when you become just this you know, just bloated corpse of what you used to be. That's what, that's what that tour was, you know? Um, but I have great memories doing it, you know, and that was really fun. Um, but we got to open for the sex pistols. I said, we opened for the Rolling Stones, wow. which was one of the most amazing, uh, nights. You know, there was a night, it was in uh, April of 99. 99 was a very good year for sugar. Ray. I'm a big um, fan of the year, 1999. Jack used to sell a shirt that said music died in 99. 
That's true. I did. did really? Yeah. That's a great shirt. Yeah. It's and uh, I'm happy, happy to be maybe, part, maybe happy needs to be to... part of killing it. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I look at it as like, I actually, I mean, not to get too serious, but I think 9-11 was like the, the cutoff of like 90s culture. It proceeded into exactly 2000s. Was. Yep. And then after that, it was just, I mean, the 90s was such excess. Everything was just so over the top, you know? Um Everything it, was blue raspberry. Everything was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though, because there's days. There's days that started that decade and ended that decade. Yeah. You know, I mean, when Nirvana, Nirvana came out in 91, right, That, that the 90s really started then. Because there, there was still a little of the 80s trickling in and first, like, 90, like, you know, Vanilla Ice was happening, uh, MC Hammer. You still had bands like Firehouse and some of the – Poison was still kind of happening. A little bit of carryover in the 90s. The second, the night, Nevermind came out by Nirvana. The 90s began. And you're completely right. 9-11, unfortunately, was the end of the 90s. And the beginning of a, a decade that just sort of never really ended or started, you know? So yeah. there's a real demarcation dates where you can track the 90s. And you're completely right about that assessment. Yeah, it's, it's it's wild. I forget exactly what we were talking about right before this, but um, are there any relationships with bands like where they were a fan or you were a fan of theirs? Just some sort of like mutual relationship that people would be surprised about, sort of from that time. I think you know, since I I was in Hollywood and I was out there, you know, doing my dirt man, running around partying. I think people will be, you know, surprised that I hung out hard with like Laurel's Ulrich, Metallica, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, Sean yeah. Penn, you know, uh, Marilyn Manson used to stop by my house on Stanley Hills, you know, and then in 98, yeah. he's like, you know, Pete, he's like, you know, Pete, he'd be coming up my stairs with Rose McGowan, uh, living in the Hollywood Hills. He goes, if people got a picture of you and I together, our careers would be, my career would be over. And I'm like, well, so would mine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I just think by hanging out and being part of that, like traveling circus of maniacs are out partying and running through the hills going wild, you know, we kind of found a tribe of weirdos. And I think, you know, I think people would be surprised to know that, you know, just by hanging out and, you know, just, you got, I got to meet a bunch of different people and hang out with people you might necessarily think, you know, I'm friends with, like I said, Sean Penn, you know, but that, that all that has gone away because this thing that we kind of shared has all gone away for all of us. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm sure. in a band called Royal Machines. It used to be called Camp Freddy. And we played with, I, you know, I performed with everybody from Billy Gibbons to, um, you know, we played with Lou Reed, uh, uh Bless oh, wow. Soul. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, cypress hill to the guys in the sex pistols to slash and dub so i think people i i know a lot of people just by having been hung around la a lot you know i think people be more surprised by the friends i know than opposed to like the bands i know i guess you should say sure sure what what but by the way i moved up to the valley you know i i did three things you can't do when i grew up in newport beach california <laughs> number one i married a girl from the inland empire Okay. Strike one. Oh boy. Number two, I moved out to the valley. I'm a valley coop now. And number three, I drive a minivan. So it's like the triumphant of things. I mean, you oh, wow. do the three, up the three cardinal sins. Let's. Yes. I mean, we have to I confess. I love them all too. I love my van, <laughs> and I love Studio City, and I kind of love my wife. We're, we so, we must confess out. we're we're familiar with your uh your dad lifestyle. We've we've seen the celebrity wife swap episode. Uh, that you were on with Coolio, and we've—I mean, we've discussed it in great detail. It's like, by the way, we're 
We're on your team in that in that episode. I, I think uh, you're being unfairly criticized, if you ask me. What do you think? I mean, I always say, if, if being a helicopter dad means loving my kids and looking after them when they're two years old so they don't poke their eye out in the corner of a table, totally guilty. You're only, yeah, you're, you're only flaw in that uh, episode is being too good of a dad. So I'll, I'll take that. You know, that was your I mean, only was, crime. <laughs> Coolio made me look good, I gotta say. Oh, yeah, Coolio, Coolio did not. Good. What was that like? What was Coolio, what was the deal? Like, I mean, my wife is still, still pissed off at me. She's still <laughs> mad at me for that because my wife had to go live with whatever Coolio lived. It wasn't his house. It was someone else's. Coolio didn't, it was like oh. his manager's <laughs> house or something. Like he didn't even know where anything was. He never even. Oh, we, we thought my, that <laughs> we thought that. <laughs> honestly, God, he didn't even know like where like the kitchen was or like, and he was barely there at all. And, um, you know, he's golfing my, with his boys. my wife stayed there one night and then left the next night and made them uh, put her up at a hotel. So, oh, is it? And then, oh, and then Coolio didn't know it wasn't an actual wife swap. He tried to hit on my wife and scam on my wife. And I'm like, whoa, I'm like, did I not guess I all whether, of this? Or maybe you know, that was- I, I go, I didn't know whether to be like flattered or, <laughs> or be fake tough guy again. So I was flattered. He was trying to consummate. <laughs> he was trying to consummate the swap. Oh, wow. He was. He thought he was gonna get over on her. He might, uh, my, you know. So, put it this way: I had to, uh, I had to make sure my wife got the majority of that fee um, for that <laughs> show. But uh, no, it was. Uh, she was a trooper. She had to go to Vegas and stay at whatever place and the whole thing. But um, it was a trip. It was. It was fun. It was fun to do. I mean, that episode's so funny. I mean, I really did. We were kind of discussing the Coolio house, and I was like, we don't even know if this is his house. It could be his girlfriend's house. <laughs> It could be anybody's house. It, they never explicitly say that's where he lives. Because also, it's not his wife. I, it's his girlfriend. That's right. That's Unfair. right. And those aren't his kids. Not his kids. <laughs> not yeah, his so problem. There was a lot of layers <laughs> yeah. on there. Well, he was Coolio was reminding the viewer every five minutes, like, that's my girlfriend. Those are not my kids. Right. Yeah. Like, I have... <laughs> This that's not my job. He kind of took He's, the magic out of the show, like removing himself from his fatherly duties, you know. Uh, yes. So, yeah, but he made me. He made me look. You know, I could shine in my helicopter on this. You know, I got blamed for being too good of a dad in that episode. That was my arc. That's how they had to make it. So uh, they called you a helicopter yeah. dad, but I was like, I was like, I think this is just a man that's like desperately trying to stay focused and not mess up. Like, that's how I interpreted I, it. I was like, well, Mark's yeah. used to partying. It's true, though. When you have, like, look, thank God my kids came later in life. I didn't have kids until I was 42 years old. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I, I couldn't take care. I paid people to take care of me in the 90s. I couldn't take care of someone else, you know? So it happened later. And once you see these kids come into your life, not to sound like, you know, cheesy dad, but that's what I am. You know, you're like, oh, God, I don't want to fuck this up. You know what I mean? And I'm really good at fucking up. So I you know, kind of wanted to be laser focused and, and how to be a dad. And I think when they first, first arrive in your life, you know, you do, you, you try to do everything so perfect that you become this sort of helicopter dad. If you're there, if you're present, you know, cause kids are a lot of work, man. You know, in my younger years, I don't know if I would have been able to be that focused on being a good dad. In fact, I know I wasn't, there's a reason why I waited so long, you know? So I would hope organically that you would have i would have made that natural shift and luckily i did and i was ready for it you know there was a bunch of a bunch of factors involved in letting me be that i didn't just like you know put down my a-fall and go all right i'm a dad now you know what i mean i organically got uh, yeah that. i feel like you you did it right 
you know, I organically got to that spot where like, all right, I'm ready now. Okay. If, you know, I'm ready to be a dad. If it, uh, if it happens, so. you got to do it. At a I was certain on the point. Fence. You got to do it at a certain point. Otherwise, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be that old dude trying to party still at a certain point. You know, you got to, at a certain point, everybody's got to settle down. Cause then well, you remember, you remember when you go to a club and you see that old guy leaning against the yeah, pole. You don't want to be him. Just, I, I, my whole life, I never wanted to be him. And I flirted with him for a little bit. I flirted, I got to be like one of the maybe top five old dudes in the club. And that's when I tapped out. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> and then all my body gave out too. You know, as you get older, as you gentlemen will find out, I mean, Jack, you're 40 now, you know. So, oh yeah, uh, of I, course. I, I'm sorry. I had to. A little cameo humor. Good call back there. Um, as you, <laughs> as you see, um, you know, y- your body doesn't, take the parting the abuse as well and it organically doesn't want what you're trying to put its way and your mind also doesn't want what it used to want as i'm saying that kind of in a, a very roundabout way but you know you i i kind of aged out of party you know what i'm saying you've ra- uh, you ra- you rung the, you rung out the party towel that's right that's right you know i rang that bell one too many times you look around you're the last guy and if you're smart enough, you shut the light off. You don't, well, you, you get what's coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was like my take. That was my take when I was watching you on, on Wife Swap. They were like, Mark's such a helicopter dad. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this guy is just trying to focus. I think he's yeah. like not used to doing this. And uh, that's why he's uh, high strung, you know. But yeah, it's it totally true. And especially they were babies then. So when yeah. they're babies, you're like, you know, and also like, we have twins, so twins need to be on a routine. It was an interesting dynamic, and what I did, I had, I got a takeaway from that whole that whole wife swap experience. I, a valuable life lesson. I, I'm here to say that you know I was being too overbearing, and I, I kind of did let the uh, let, let the reins out a little bit after she left. So I, I got a big takeaway from that. Believe it or not, I got to thank Coolio and his girlfriend Mimi. I think we all learned a lot in that episode. <laughs> 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 That's so perfect. That's timing, man. That is timing right there. Oh, thank you. Know, you. That's, thank cool. you. That's, that's the man I fell in love with right there. <laughs> they, I love um, to hear it. Thank you. You've been with your wife for a long time, right? Like, when did you guys start dating? Yeah. Uh, you like, know, it's funny. Through the shenanigans, right? What's up? Through the Sugar Ray shenanigans period, probably, right? Are you trying to say that I had some sort of fidelity problems there? No, but I mean... <laughs> I mean, whether or not you did, I'm sure, like, dating somebody through that shit. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, no, you know, listen, when I, I, we signed a record deal in 94, and I met my now wife three weeks later after we moved up to LA. We're oh, like, wow. Let's party. We're in a, we're in a rock band. Let's oh, go. Wow. Bring me everything. Bring me everything you got. I mean, women, bring me the drugs, bring me the booze, bring it all. Right. And so, um, I meet my now wife three weeks at, at and it's so cliche at the Viper Room. Oh wow! I met oh, her wow. At <laughs> wow. the Viper Room, and I was sitting there. There's a big post in the Viper baby. Room. You guys have been there. It's almost right on the dance floor by the stage, and I'm sitting there doing my best uh, Dylan Walsh, like 90210, like you know, like Luke yeah. Perry, like furrowed brow. You know, I had a, a vodka cranberry, and I sat there, and I would play the wall. That was my move. You had to come up to me. You know okay. I mean? I would sit uh, okay. there for hours, right? And so I'd been there for a couple hours, and my now wife comes up to me and she goes, Are you gonna hold that pole up all night? 
And I go, I think I love you. That was the first things I said to her, right? <laughs> so we got to talking a little bit. We got to talking a little bit. And she goes, I'm going to Damiano's after this, for any of you old school LA folks out there. Damiano's was a place uh, on uh, Fairfax, kind of by the old Supreme cool guy area down there. Uh, I don't know what it is now. Uh, but it's an old pizza place. People would go there after they were um, drinking. So I hadn't been doing any coke that night because I was hungry. Uh, <laughs> So, so I, she goes, meet me at Damiano's, you know, I'm going to be there after this and blah, blah. I go, I'll meet you there. So I go there and, um, I see her in this back booth by herself and she's got a giant pizza and like a, like a gigantic meatball sandwich. And I go, where are your friends? And she goes, oh, this is just for me. Oh, I go, wow. now I know I love you. And so I started kind of dated right there and the whole thing. And, you know, we both did everything to fuck up the relationship. We both cheated on each other. We, you know, we, I would go on tour. She would do her thing. I'd do my thing. But there was something always drawing us back together. Now, that being said, when I started working at Exer, like in 2004, you know, we began on this pattern of hanging out and being shitty to each other and hanging out and being shitty. But my life was starting to calm down, and so was her a little bit. I think it's called getting older. Um, and I'm like, do you want to give this a real chance? Like about 2004, 2005, I was working extra Monday through Friday, real job, showing up every yeah. day. And uh, we, she goes, yeah, let's do it. And so we did. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of wreckage in our relationship. It's not the best way to go into a marriage. But, you know, I married my best friend. And that's that's all you can hope to do at this point, especially when you start having kids and all that crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, so it, it somehow we made it through this crazy thing. It's you know, it's that cheesy cliche, you know, we're not perfect, but we're perfect for each other. Well, she's known you for, Showbiz, baby. she's known you through all of it too. You know, she knows everything. Yeah. So she was the one that would like, I mean, we were, we had a hundred bucks a week. We, we had made no money. She had a little dough and all that. And she would buy me like bed linens and clothes and house shoes and dickies. And, you know, I guess we can't call them, you know, what's anymore. A-frame tank tops. Um, you oh know, yeah. So is that is, like, that is that not woke also, wife beater? Is that yeah? I, I guess I, do we not say it anymore? Are I you guess, saying it? I don't know. I, I guess I, I yeah. Wanna, <laughs> Have they canceled it? It's it seems like it's they would. Be. Right? Yeah. Are we canceling it tonight? Uh, you know, but so so she saw the whole thing. They're she called the wife first... respecters now. Yeah, they're wife respecters. <laughs> 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 Sorry, do I get all of them right here? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh my God, dude, Jack, nothing for you. It's so funny. Fucking advice. I mean, well, I'm stealing that. I'm giving you no publishing, Brandon. No, 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 go, go off. You can, you can oh have my God, that one, funny. Mark. Oh, uh, so, so anyway, she saw the whole thing. She saw us almost fail, and then she saw the success happen. So I'm glad I was able to repay her because you know she. Uh, she propped me up, you know, she held me down for those years, you know, uh, when things were kind of rough. It looked like, you know, we had a record out. It looked like it was going to fail. And she stood by me, you know, after when she came home. Yeah, that's that's I wild. It, I mean, she's seen you uh, through all of it, like the all the the raging with fastball and the Goo Goo Dolls. And uh, all the, and now all you the, guys are you know, out in the, um, the valley. She, you know, she did her thing, too, as well. You know, look, I could never... I could never, you know, I would never be a hypocrite, you know, um, you know, I mean, she had other boyfriends and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we, we got, we've gone through, uh, you know, ups and downs, ins and outs and, you know, uh, falling in and out of love, in and out of love. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, 
so we had our trials and tribulations, but getting to this point now, it's like this fucking journey we've been on, this crazy, crazy journey. I just hope now we go to a, a patio, a porch in Tennessee and Nashville in our 70s, and we're still kind of rocking together in those chairs. You know, that's the goal now with grandkids. I mean, dude, meeting one week into all the shit is crazy. Like it was crazy. Uh, and I feel bad. I mean, I feel bad. She went through that, but I went through a lot of shit too. I, I mean, on the, in the other way though, too, it's like, you know, the first person you meet, it's like surprising. Like first person you meet, like record deal, everything, you know? And then you, it was too. And I just got out of a relationship in Newport, you know, and I'm up here. Okay. I'm free. I'm, I'm so ready to go. And I'm like, Oh God, I really like this one. You know what I mean? And so it was, uh, it was it was tough to navigate, and, and especially if you gave the circumstances to any other situation, you know, like going through all the the, the, the celebrity part of it, the success part of it, the money part of it, you know, uh, the, the infidelity part of it, the tough foundation we started. It, it, it's been a long haul, and we're still, you know, it still rears its ugly head today. It's something you constantly are are maintaining. You're never getting over it, you know? Yeah, I mean, plus you sent her to go live with Coolio, you know? There you go. You know what I mean? I paid her back to send her to live with Coolio's managers <laughs> make house <laughs> i have a yeah. i have a question um it said i was reading that you guys almost played woodstock 99 you got like sick or something yes that that is correct and on the woodstock wikipedia it says we played which is interesting or maybe it doesn't uh, maybe they corrected it but um or if you say like a woodstock like um I think about Woodstock 99 and I'll say bands that played and we were supposed to play. And this is going back to the, uh, Google dolls fastball tour. We were about two weeks into that. And I just got laryngitis. I just, I blew my voice out. We were playing longer sets. Uh, and that tour was like six, six nights on one night off. And we were, we had a show in San Francisco and then we we're going to fly to like New York, uh, to do the show in Woodstock and then come back across the country and I just got, I, I got a little bit of a virus and I, you know, show must go on. I was pushing through it and um, I, I just kind of blew my voice out. And I, I went to see a, a ear, nose and throat doctor and he said, listen, I can give you steroids and I can get you through this Woodstock show and you can, you can make it, but it's going to destroy the tour and I'm going to have to sit you down for a month or you can take these four days off and uh, recuperate and then carry on with the tour. So I, it was a, uh, you know, it was like a Sophie's Choice moment, you know. Um, and Woodstock then was gigantic like it is now, you know. It, but it didn't kind of become the bummer that it kind of became, you know what I mean? That, especially that year, 99, kind of became a bummer. Oh, you yeah. You know, with all the fires and the insanity. I mean, I watched so, it on TV, like, in entirety. Like, I remember getting the pay-per-view. And by the way, I was way too young. Like, I was probably, oh, I was 99, you know. So I was yeah. um 12 or 13 depending on when it was. But like, yeah, I didn't know about anything in the world. And I was like watching that weekend just like go to shit until like that last when everything was on fire and like who was playing Rage Against the Machine, I think maybe, and Limp Bizkit. Chili, Chili Peppers. Yeah. Chili Peppers, Chili Peppers was yeah. a real bad one. It just disintegrated into the weekend. Like on Friday, it was like, hey, what's song? And then at the end, it just turned into like, it turned the walking dead and by that Sunday, just people were just zombies and it was just scary. Uh, and I remember watching the same thing you're watching a pay-per-view and on Friday, they're interviewing Cheryl Crow and she's like, who are you excited to see this weekend? She's like, you know, Ben Harper, uh, Lenny Kravitz and Sugar Ray, you know, I can't wait to see them. I'm like, I'm an L I can't speak. It's just really bizarre <laughs> to see that. Like I'm watching this show that I'm a fan of and hearing some gigantic superstar 
say our name. And I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, I couldn't avoid it. There was nothing, you know, it was just, I was sick and that was it. Thank God. Um, I think in the long run, I made the right choice, but it was, it was, you know, it was a tough yes. decision at the time. Did you hear like from any band when they, like after they played it, did, did you like talk with anybody of that? Did they come back being like, dude, it was fucking nuts. It was bad. Everybody said it was a nightmare. Everybody says nightmare. Most of the bands that I talked to, like Limp Bizkit, Kid Rock, um, uh, Cypress Hill, they, they all just flew in and flew immediately out. Nobody hung out. There was like an artist area, but it was kind of like the, the first Woodstock. You know, people like, man, it's heavy here, bros, brown acid here, shit's going down over there. You got to get out of here. So like people would land. I can't remember who, and the original Woodstock, someone landed and then walked right back in the helicopter and left. You guys remember, I can't remember what artist did that, but. That sounds, um, in the original? Uh, yeah. Uh, the original Woodstock. Yeah, the original. Was oh, no, I'm surprised. You're you're rock and roll Jeopardy champion. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like an idiot. I yeah, we're Jefferson not gonna. Airplane. I think it was Jefferson okay. Airplane. I think but I'm not sure, but that's what I got told. The people who said it just progressively just turned into this bummer. We just wanted to get away from, and you know, it, it started out sunny and beautiful, and then the rains came in. It just turned into a giant nightmare, and you know, um, so it was been a, a pleasant experience from my understanding from the artists that I talked to as well, even on stage. You know, in the '90s for me were lots of amazing moments and, and, and dreams coming true. Like seeing yourself on MTV for the first time, unsolicited, not knowing, you know, hearing yourself on the radio for the first time, getting a gold you record. A, you did a couple MTV spring breaks, right? Yeah. Oh. We went down a couple spring breaks. Carson Daly. We, you know, insane. we have talked about MTV spring break a fair amount recently because yes. we were kind of reminiscing on like 90s basic cable sexuality which is not something that you really see now because people can just, like, jack off to porn. <laughs> you can just, like... You, so people don't need to, like, see a bikini on TV because they're, like, all the same just... Allure it had. Yeah. Jack off to hardcore pornography on the computer. That's right. Uh, or on your phone. But, Come on. Yeah. yeah, or on your phone. I Yeah, I guess I'm using my phone mostly in terms of jack... Uh, but uh, i guess if you were to you know crunch the numbers i'm usually on my phone if i'm jacking off i'm not using the laptop that i'm using right now for the most part i'm usually not using this laptop to you gotta keep things separate on my phone uh but you know that's neither here nor there no it is it's everywhere because just think about (laughs) fundamentally like that just kind of gnarly and gross and i i do it too you know i yeah. mean something that is so innocent and pr- probably wasn't <laughs> conceived for that usage is is probably 80 percent the usage of a phone now you know yeah and it goes right no, back absolutely. in your pocket how many people how many people wipe these down after blowing a load no Zero. You're, put, you're putting it on your face uh, yeah. your kids are probably saying <laughs> dad can i play a game on your phone yeah. you're thinking about what you just did with it <laughs> What's that, Dad? Why is why is the why is the case stuck to the glass? Don't worry about it, kid. You're too young for that. Oh, <laughs> but it has to do with I, your oh. existence. Yeah. So I guess what I was I I I we were talking about MTV Spring Break uh, on a, like a couple episodes ago, just because we were talking about just sort of like when you're 12, 13, and this is pre-internet. There's like only certain. I mean, I I was 12 and 13 on the computer. I I think I would have been like seven or eight when I was like watching MTV for like scantily clad yeah. women. So crazy, you know, whatever for like 
that that kind of that kind of situation. Uh, MTV Spring Break. Was there any? Were there were there any uh, wild antics? Oh, I'm sure. You right? know, you know, you know. It's funny though. Like, you know, when you you start seeing the wizard behind the curtain, all that was so show yeah. busy. It was a big. Sure. It was a big set. You know, it wasn't like a big party house. It was like you know. I mean, even I was disappointed. I'm like, this is it. Really? You know? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It this was big all giant artifice. All artifice, all bullshit, and like, you know, I, and when we were there, we were doing work because you know, our label would come with us. So the, the the sort of you know fantasy of this Wizard Oz world of partying and rock stars colliding with normal people and seaside heights and it just wasn't real. And it was just like it's like standing on a set, uh, you know, on a television studio set. You're like, oh shit, there's just a wood wall behind Jerry's Deli's here. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So. Um, there are no crazy stories. It was all very regimented. It was this is all killing very, me, Mark. You know, okay, we're bringing the extras in now, and you will perform here now. And you know, they were they were sour on bringing booze backstage. You know, we oh, found no. a way to do it. Yeah, so it was a. It's one of those things you don't want to see how the sausage is made. You know what I mean? Just just yeah. let it let let it be that. Yeah, this is this is devastating for Jack. This is crumb. <laughs> my world is crumbling right now. This is. I'm telling you, that's not to say there weren't some fun moments. I mean, look, you're on the beach house and it was fun and, and all that. And the very setup they created was fun, but it wasn't like this, you know, you know, 48 hour summer rental party jump off. I was in my grandma's house in Florida watching that secretly watching secretly watching coverage of spring break when I was like nine, seeing a bikini for the first time being like, whoa. What is that? Well, me too. I'm seeing... Well, imagine me too. I, I used to watch it too, and I was I was not nine. I was a grown ass fucking man. Was, was, like, <laughs> was that the first bikini you saw? Going, God, and that'd be amazing to perform there and play there one day and see this gigantic party. So, you know, I got to see the other side of it uh, by the grace of God and divine intervention. So, yeah, I mean, it was very, you just go into work mode. You know, literally, you'd come with the label, and it was also a gigantic promotional opportunity to be on that. It was a gigantic look for the band. So. There wasn't this real sense of let's go tear it up, you know. Uh, that's yeah. I it's guess more it's more MTV less Spring Break. You know, this is a right. this is a Viacom operation. Oh. there's the you you're not there's the, you're not gonna get into any real tomfoolery. No, no yeah, tomfoolery, no no chicanery, no none of that stuff <laughs> would be taking place. Uh, you know, yeah. and, you know, you weren't gonna hook up with the extras hanging. You know what I mean? It was all. Everybody was like right. sort of paid to be there, and it was. I'm it so was just, I'm was, so upset by this. Yeah. this is, I'm sorry yeah. to be the one. Shattering. I don't want to be the one, sorry, but Jack. I can't. I can't not tell you the truth. I feel sort of my duty. Mark, you know, this is not, so this many MTV Spring Break. This is not a. This is not a Joe Francis situation. Mark, that, so many, correct. so many of my decisions in life were probably made <laughs> based on false information <laughs> from seeing this and believing things. <laughs> You sit on a throne of lies, Jack. Yeah, I don't want to be that 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 conduit to bringing bad news your way. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to find out this way, Jack. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it no, is weird. Did, it, you know, spring break. It was. Uh, I mean, that was a weird set of programming, anyway. Like the specifically the. Um, we were just talking about where they would have like a fashion show and they'd have bands perform like, like on a runway, but it would be like corn. <laughs> <laughs> no right right it'd be like lit corn and like limp biscuit we we did that too so like that's a perfect example of sort of the structure that went on there that okay you're gonna go out there and play and 
don't go over to this stage because there's going to be a fashion moment with, you know, with jelly jeans or whatever. You're like, what? You know, so it was such a, <laughs> it was, it was, there's so many like things running through it and layers of, of stuff that like, you know, it got in the way of my spring bake uh, fantasy yeah. too, you know? I mean, because I, I saw the early years, you know, when you got in the early 90s, and it just looked so much fun. And, you know, Polly Shore was hosting. And I'm like, I want to, I'm like, that's where I need to be, you know? So, yeah, it was more of a business opportunity than this sort of uh, Spring Big Fantasy, but they did a great job of selling it. You've got to give it to them. You know? I mean, Look, I bought it, I, I was buying it up. They had the, they, it was like a brand, they had like a branded fashion show. They would sometimes, that, yeah. you know? Was, did you ever have any, like, we, were there any, like, weird brand partnerships where you're like, Oh, this is maybe a bridge too far. You know, well, there's not, well, not for us, but something I was involved with corn on the first tour. We went on with corn in 1995. They decided to have Jägermeister sponsor their tour. And by oh, sponsoring the tour, they put signage and stuff around the venues, <laughs> but they also gave them a, like a kegerator of Jägermeister put in their dressing room each night. Oh no! That lasted oh, no. two nights, two nights, and their management, <laughs> Jeff Quantinance, and and uh, at the firm at the time, and and, and Peter, uh, I can't remember his last name now, but uh, they, they 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 just said, "Get that the hell out of my band's gonna die." And then we were all sipping on it, blacking out, you know, and going out there performing. And you get to the venue at noon, and the Jägermeister keg's the first thing set up. And so, I mean, that's not something you. You know, you, you there's no endurance with Jägermeister. You know, you're about no, absolutely you, not. Yeah, it's you three in, you either black out or you go to jail or you go perform a show you shouldn't be performing. You know, and so <laughs> two of those happened uh, the first two nights. You know? My friend Beth actually has a Jägermeister guitar signed by the band Corn. You're kidding me. Not at all. Best Coast. Do you know Best Coast, the band? Of course. Yeah, yeah. she has it. I don't know how. I think you it was know, a she, gift. She has said some very nice things about our band. Really? I believe so. I I, I believe it. You know, she has respect she, for the the decade. She uh, was very kind in saying about that we were under uh, appreciated for our songwriting, which I was I'm very grateful. I thought it was very kind. That's of, was that what you were asking, Brandon, about the sponsorship? Were you guys sponsored by any weird shit? Am I missing something? You guys can. You guys can. Uh, oh, you're talking about candies. I mean, I, I, are you guys trying to drive this somewhere? No, no, no. Oh, wait, no. Oh, wait, did you do a... No, I don't I don't know about... Because I don't regret this? anything, so it's hard for me to, like, if you're honing me, because I was in a candies ad with half my ass hanging out, which is oh, a, 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 a beautiful thing. I didn't thing. even know. I didn't even know about that. I literally oh, yeah. did not know about that. I was not... It was not a... I was not slyly winking at the candies ad... This is not something I'm familiar with. Oh, with and Alyssa will... Milano. I'm looking at this now. Yeah, Whoa. I didn't know if you were tearing me down now, if there's any, because I don't regret any, because like, they <laughs> no, made legendary. Not. By the way, yeah. I forgot you have the, the giant Irish back tattoo. That's yeah. Well, now it's just all one big giant back piece, and I, yeah. I think I got a tramp stamp oh, in, my candy, in my candies photo. Like Look I got at a that. tramp stamp in there, don't I? Holy shit. That's Alyssa I'm, Milano. I'm searching Mark McGrath candies right now. That's a these, real thing, These pictures dude. are wild. These are steam. This picture where you're gripping, on, you're gripping on Alyssa Milano's shirt and kind don't of stare spritzing. My, don't stare into my eyes too long. You'll, you'll get lost. You're spritzing fragrance into her cleavage. Oh, that's a different... <laughs> this is a it's different up. guy. This is a different guy. Her name was Same J shoot. Jody Lynn O'Keefe. Do you remember Jody Lynn O'Keefe by any chance? Oh no, she's a she's a babe. This is a yeah, this is a wild picture. 
Beautiful she's girl. sitting on a she's sitting on a desktop computer. Um, so I'm straddling a, a desktop computer. Well, there's you're a rocket. The there's a rocket you're kinda, headed you're smirking into her crotch area. I feel like there's some yes. there's some artistic <laughs> symbolism going on here. You're looking at you're yeah. just Mark McGrath's yes. in a te- in a uh, wife respecter shirt, just on a Mac, an early <laughs> Mac computer, yes. watching a watching a video of a spaceship. <laughs> Yeah, you're watching you a video of this while there's a babe. The rocket is going into her pussy, but you look, you look cool as shit in this picture. She looks, she looks hot. This is a cool, this is a cool picture. Yeah, this you is guys, a, this is. It's all subjective, and it's all, it's all, you know. I literally did uh, not know about all, this, and I, I'm, my, I'm better now for having seen this. Yeah, oh, I, I, I mean, can see your, your your body position's changing, and you're you're like you're yeah, morphing absolutely. into something. Yeah, it's like you are energized by this. And I've told you, God I've done damn. douchey things wow. you don't even know. What? A, you know what I mean? I mean that's that picture is damn. like sums up the '90s, where like everything was sexual for some reason, where it's just like, like a horny well, shoe I mean, ad. Just let's like, be honest. For some reason, I mean, sex is always sold in advertising. I mean, the subtleness of that hit you over the head with a sledgehammer. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, that was always part. I mean, all the candies ads were like that. Yeah, do you remember the one with Jenny McCarthy sitting on the toilet? Like with yeah. the legs spread open. Oh, I mean, my so like God. candy's got down like that. That's how they got down. I mean, these know? pictures are, uh, this is, I'm looking at the teen people cover. With <laughs> oh, with the Leah. Leah. What, what's, this is, what's amazing about that is, well, that was her last, uh, it's not amazing, but what is uh, unique about that, that was her last cover she did. That that came out posthumously. Oh, wow. She, uh, she, she, uh, unfortunately, uh, died and then two weeks later that was that was the last cover she was on you know that's so sad wow. not to bring this thing to a screeching hole no it's okay she I mean, was uh yeah just lovely and sweet she was she was a very very cool just down to earth easy to deal with and she was a superstar there i think she saw me yeah. coming and like who are, who are you she didn't know i was no you know, she was on some rarefied I mean, beyonce here yeah this is a this is a great photo i mean also oh, you guys you, you guys are finding a treasure trove of some of my 90s wonders and you're welcome you're welcome for that. You know? Yeah, I love it. There's well, the related images came up, and you know. Oh yeah, I searched. Uh, yeah. So I now that it. you have this knowledge, does it change your uh, you know your point of view of of you know of of, of, my, of myself of my aura of my of my I, I, I guess we'll my legacy. I mean, I was I there mean, for this. I've, I've always my my POV before this is it was always very positive, and now it's you know. You've been you've been an amazing guest. Well, you're very kind, and you know, as a, I was getting that bag, as the kids say back then, you know, I mean, <laughs> look, that candy thing did just come with you know a free computer. No, this candy you know, ad is cool as shit. Yeah, well, I this mean, picture. What's there to be embarrassed about? You're sitting with a babe. You're looking at a rocket on a computer. No, I don't think you're well, doing anything I'm, wrong. You're just looking at rocket uh, ships, yeah, and there's a babe. It's, it's, it, that's like a. That candy's dad is like a deer drinking at a water right before an alligator. I mean, there's just a lot to make fun of there, and rightfully so. But I got paid for any anything, and I mean that there was, was a year. Who, I mean, there, who there was, was the I got in this photo again? Jody Lynn O'Keefe. Brandon's taking notes. Jody, how gonna, do you spell that? He's gonna hit his phone. J O D J O D I L Y N N. Oh, Jody Lynn O'Keefe. Okay. You know, what was fun about the 90s, just just to, to put a little button on that little candies thing, is I, I got to do major ads for Levi's, Candies, Dr. Pepper. 
with all those Madison Avenue corporate dollars that come with that. So I was getting paid like three or four times on the side, you know? And listen, not everybody wanted to do that. It wasn't for everybody, but I got to see myself on a gigantic billboard in Times Square because of Levi, you know? Um, and that, 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 you know, those are some, those are some, you know, pinch me dream come true moments. I didn't, even, I, I never even dreamed that thing. You know, it yeah. possible. Being in a billboard in Times Square, that happened to other people. So uh, that was a fun journey to take. And it wasn't everybody's journey. They don't want to do it, but I was more than willing to believe me. The 90s yeah, ad absolutely. money. You probably, did you buy any dumb shit with that? I mean, you know what? You, what you do? Here's stupid? what happens when you get some money. Okay. You're like, okay, I need Gucci fall season. I'm Gucci out in fall season. I'm getting a Mercedes and I'm buying how, and you're like, I feel like a kook in my Mercedes. I, you know what I mean? I don't want <laughs> the Gucci fall. Season, I just bought it. It's already lame. It's already out. So like, I don't want to run with that crowd, you know? And all of a sudden I start going back to my, uh, wife, um, my, my wife respecters and my Dickies and my, my house shoes, you know? And like you start, Money, you start getting money, you're like stoked on it, and you're like, well, I don't want to be the douche in the Ferrari, and this is not really me, and I'm not really a Rolex guy, and I'm not really the diamond guy. You, you kind of find out by you, by uh, by trial by fire. So I made some dumb purchases. I buy some Harleys and stuff like that. Yeah, I get the low pros on the on the Mercedes. I had some nice cars, you know, but I never drove them really. Cause I was gone so much. Um, but no, I've never really been like a you know, I've never been a thing guy. But I, you have you have to figure it out. It's like celebrity. Celebrity, the only value of celebrity is knowing what it feels like. That's it. You know what I mean? That that's it. That that's because you wonder, well, I don't even like to be famous. Then you feel what it feels like, and that's it. It goes away. It's that. So materialistic things are kind of like that, but it's all subjective to you. Like some people need shit to define them, and I'm just the opposite. The less shit, the better. What what do you what would you say it does feel like? Celebrity. How would you describe it to somebody that doesn't understand? But it's a good question. It's it's again. It's it's a, it's it's hard to articulate, and it's it's surreal, you know, because it's like when people ask you what it feels like to hear a song on the radio, you know, it's 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 very hard to say. And there's also different levels of celebrity. But you know, I got to his face being on the cover of Rolling Stone that I got pretty fucking high in the world of success and celebrity. So I definitely felt it and had a cup of coffee there for a little bit, you know. Um, and it's what you make it, you know. If if if. I find if you're nice and kind and you bring manners into that world, it will be paid back 10 times. If you bring any attitude and weirdness and shit in there, it'll be paid back 10 times. That's one thing I learned pretty quickly. So uh, the commodity of having manners and, and learning people's names, I've gotten jobs I don't deserve because of it. So I think celebrity kind of, it happened to me later in life too, thank God. So it kind of really strengthen the things I believe in, but it can also do just the opposite for people, but it's still, it's hard to say what fame feels like. Cause it's not a real thing. Yeah. I can tell you what it feels like to drive a Mercedes. I can tell you what it feels like to do a line of cocaine. I can tell you what it feels like, you know, to go to Hawaii, but I can't tell you what something that does. It's not real feels like, even though I experienced it. It is strange. I mean, even the phenomenon yeah. of, uh, people who you don't know, they know who you are at all times. Like anywhere you go, I'm sure must just be crazy. Yeah, I mean, you probably used it to was, it. Of course, like I said, now. at the time when it was really big and we were on MTV and it was crazy and there was hysteria and people outside the house, it's a really friendly level of celebrity now. You know, I, we make I make fun about you know, like me on the sugar gate and all that. People, what? But you also go to a restaurant, I get a good table, and people go out of their way to like to to be extra kind and nice to me. You know, if, if social media was real. The second I walked outside of my door, I'd be punched in my face. Boom, boom, boom. You know, that, that would just be my day every day. You know what I mean? 
but it's just the opposite. People are, hey, Mark, what's up? You know, people are just super cool. So I've got this really comfortable level of celebrity that, you know, that's, that's enjoyable, you know? I mean, I get all the benefits, all the insanity. Um, so it, it's nice, you know, but you need to have a little bit thick skin, definitely today too. You know, so careful what you ask for scenario, you know, and it's, and it's also something once it's let out of the bag, you can never bring back in and you don't get to decide how it's, how it's given to you. That's what's interesting, you know? True. That's yeah, wise words. Brandon, do you have any final questions? I, I think we, I feel like we've covered so much. I know. Well, I, I, hey, I appreciate the whole way this came about, man. You know, Me too. Uh, yeah, this is like, this is nuts. I, I can't believe this was all booked via Cameo, kind of. This is the first time this has ever It's the first happened. positive thing that come through Cameo, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> what about Chris? I don't know. Man? I mean, and Mark. I think a lot of the, the positive Mark, Mark McGrath, a lot of the Cameo, the like, a lot of the positive contributions to Cameo have been from Mark Wholesome, McGrath. Yes. That, that breakup video that went super viral. Big classic. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Well, let, let me let me let me tell you a little bit about that. You know, um, Cameo is a sort of a capitalistic uh, venture, right? You know, you, you you earn money, you 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 take money in, and the idea is to do as many cameos as possible. A lot of people try and throw you and like get you know, get Brett Favre to say some racist <laughs> shit or stuff, and and like you know, there's people out there that are pretty good, and you got to kind of vet people out and figure it out. But but some some try to get over on me and. I'll be like, ah, I'll just do it for the 99 bucks. I don't care. Two people are going to see this. Who cares? You know? So I saw that cameo come in and it was like, hi, Mark, you know, uh, me and my, my ex-boyfriend are big fans of Sugar Ray. We're grad school students. You know, all those grad school Sugar Ray fans out there. And unfortunately they're breaking, he, you know, he, I have to break up with him, but he, I want him to do well in his term paper. Nothing made sense. It all was just bullshit to me. Yeah. I go, you know what? I'm going to do this one straight as an arrow, and you won't even know I did it. I'm going to send it. That's going to be it. But I, I made it really long. No way. I'm a bit garrulous, as you've noticed. Uh, so this camera was like three minutes and 42 seconds, and I go, maybe someday we can all high-five backstage at a Sugar Ray show or something like that. I thought I gave it away then for sure. But then I kept it pretty straight and I go, either way, I'm sorry, bro. I wish you the best of luck. You know, hey, one door closes, another one opens, and there's more fish in the sea, and best of luck to you. And then I sent it, and I'm done. I'm like, all right, cool. Three weeks later, <laughs> I'm trend. I'm whenever I'm trending on Twitter, it's never good. You know what I mean? It's never good. <laughs> so I'm trending number one. I go, what, what the fuck now? And it was this cameo thing, and I didn't even know what it was because like. I'm like, I don't remember doing that. And I had to look, kind of look back and I go, oh, 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 when I was joking, I was, I was, uh, you know, but like I'm saying, once the cat gets out of the bag, it was more like wildfire. And then people were like, oh my God, Mark McGrath, that is so kind of you to do that. The way you handled that was so nice. And at the same time I was saying, it's not real. I was kind of joking. So, so then I kind of pulled back from that because I don't want everybody to think I was an asshole. It was just such a weird conundrum I was stuck in, but it's the most viewed cameo of all time, and you know that's why I'm still a feature. Wow. Uh, that's why you got to me, Brandon, because I'm still on the feature page because of that cameo heat. That is hilarious. I love this. Well, <laughs> I could, I could tell. <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, I could be grateful to cameo for this for for one thing. Yeah. You know, we've no, we've been is, critical of the a, app. This is a big moment. This yeah. is a big moment for both of us. Sincerely, for all three of us, to tell you well, the truth. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to meet you too. My pleasure, fellas. I thanks for having yeah, me, man. It's been a you. pleasure. Yeah, this is awesome. Talk again. We we we're we're mutuals on all the platforms. Yeah, now. we we have the 
we're all we're in. friends now. Maybe yeah, maybe in. in person part two when uh yeah. when this is all done. Anytime. If someone cancels on you guys, let me know. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> just a helicopter dad doing <laughs> shit, watching people's cameos. <laughs> I'll send you I'll send Thanks you something on, after uh, the podcast about cameo that I think you'll enjoy too. I would love to see that. And just keep me in the loop of your humor, guys. I really appreciate everything you guys do. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for coming on, man. All right. Thank, thank you, guys. Take care. Looks like